Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Stacks of Cash podcast. Uh, this is David Duncan. I have Jay Cohen uh, again with me today. Hey, Jay. Good morning. And today we want to talk about a very, very fun topic, and that is death. <laughs> Just kidding. But it does have a lot to do with <laughs> death. And, and what we want to discuss is life insurance with you. And so, you know, we're going to put on our financial planning hat. And so when we meet with clients and we do a formal financial plan, one of the first things we take a look at is having um, a well-protected risk management strategy. And the reason why we do that is we can do everything right. We could pick the best stocks in the world. We could get returns that are so ridiculous and everything is run along great. But if we don't have a strong foundation and we don't have risk management on your personal assets, then it all goes away. Think about it like building a house. You could get a builder to buy a or build you a really cool house. But if you build that house on a really bad foundation, the house isn't going to stand. It's over. It's yeah, over. All over. You need to have a strong foundation. And so today, in today's podcast, we're going to talk about life insurance, and that can be the foundation to your financial life. And so, Jay, uh, walk us through the, the, the different products. And, and when I say different products, I don't mean specifically the details of each one, but let's talk in two broad strokes. Term insurance versus permanent. Wait, you mean you don't want people to stop listening to the podcast exactly. right now? No, we want them to stay on. <laughs> All right, that's cool. Yeah, please. Yeah, I mean, so so life insurance, to be candid, is one of those things that is boring on the one hand, mm-hmm. and it's exciting on the other. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been doing this a long time, <laughs> and I can promise you that as sad as it is when someone passes away, and it's sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a sad event. Somebody somewhere is thinking about having a conversation wondering. around, yep. wondering about, and finding out where they can find the life insurance. Just is what it is. Okay? Yep. So life insurance is one of those products that's really evolved over the years. It's an emotional product. involves a lot of emotion. What we want to do today is we really want to kind of separate life insurance into the two major types of insurance that exist. And we're going to focus on the less expensive one, the one that, that, that we really utilize a great deal more. And, and the two types of life insurance are term life insurance and permanent insurance. I'm going to have David start off on the term, but before I do, let me just kind of seal off permanent insurance for just a moment. Permanent insurance means insurance that that has both a life insurance benefit or a death benefit that's been combined with a saving strategy. And that saving strategy can be in many different forms. It can be whole life insurance, universal life insurance, variable universal life insurance, and these various flavors are created by life insurance companies. We don't want to get into that today. We want mm-hmm. to talk about basic term life insurance because, as David pointed out, what we're really focused on isn't the whiz-bang picking stocks and creating wealth. It's protecting against certain risks. And for risk management, 
term life insurance is really the flavor that we want to emphasize today. Mm-hmm. So, Dave. Yes. Yeah, so, term insurance. So, let's start with what type of person would want term insurance? Well, somebody who's trying to protect against a premature death. And why would they choose term over permanent? Well, term, you get the best bang for your buck. And the reason why is you're really renting this insurance. Think about like renting a car. You go on a trip, you go for a week, you rent the car. That car is your car for the whole week. But once you turn the keys in to the, to the rental car agency, you don't have anything anymore. That car, you do not exist. The same is true in term insurance. Um, and, and what's good about it is it strips away all that stuff that Jay was talking about of you know, the, the cash values of, of life insurance policies. And it makes it so you're just paying directly for the insurance. Okay, And you can pick. I want to have coverage for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever. You get to pick that. And, and so it's a very economical way to get the most uh, death benefit for the insurance. Yeah, and when you think about term insurance, term means period, mm-hmm. right? So you can have a 10-year term, 15-year term, 20-year term, et cetera. And what that really means is is that the life insurance company is going to guarantee you a fixed premium for that term, Mm -hmm. 10, 15, 20, 25, or 30 years. That's what the term means. And so term insurance is the least expensive form of insurance you can get. Mm -hmm. And so, David, what do you think, you know, we talked, and we were just talking about this yesterday with another client of ours, you know, what term should someone pick and how much should they buy? <laughs> well, it's more of an art than it is a science. In, in every person who is interested in buying life insurance needs to take a look at their entire financial picture. And so, you know, if you put yourself in position, say, hey, what would happen to my family and my kids if I died tomorrow? How much would they need to survive on? Would they have to increase costs because maybe I'm a caretaker or maybe I'm working and my salary makes up the majority of the family? They're how are they going to replace that? So you need to think about taking yourself out of the picture. What does that do for an income perspective? What does that do for a expense perspective? And how long do you want to cover that for? If you have kids that are in high school or they're in college and they're about ready to get a job, that's a little bit different uh, uh, fact pattern than somebody who has, you know, twins that are newborns and you're trying to fund private college for, you know, four years and private education all the way through. So you really got to take a look at what are you trying to cover and what are you trying to accomplish for your family? So, so let's look at an example here. Um, we were talking yesterday. There's a, a couple that you're working with, a young couple. Um, they're not super young, but they've got a kid or two, right? How many mm-hmm. kids? Two. One. One kid. And they want to have, what, two more? Yeah. Okay, so so if you just by way of example were, were thinking about, look, I want to have protection up to when those kids are, let's say, up to when they want to enter college. Sure. Okay, so most kids enter college around 18 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have one kid now. They want to have a couple more. Let's say that's going to, they spread them out two years apiece then you're looking at about 22 years. So in that case, the term they may want to get would be 20 to 25 years, correct? Exactly. And so that's that, a conversation you need to have about 
you know, which one you want to go with. You're now, right in the middle. Now, now let me ask you this. If, if, I, if, I, if, I, if all else was equal, the underwriting class, the death benefit amount, if all else was equal, and I selected 25 years versus 20 years, what would that do to my annual or quarterly or monthly premium? The short answer is the 20-year would be least expensive than the 25-year, and I'll explain why. When you buy a term policy, what's happening behind the scenes with these actuaries is every year that policy is active, they are calculating your chance of premature death. So if I'm 35 and I get this policy, what are my chances of me dying with my fact pattern this year? Then they look at next year, and they'll go out for 20 years and calculate what that is. Okay, And so as you get older, your chances of dying increase. That's common sense. Right. And so if you're buying a term policy for 20 years, your chances of dying at the 20th year are less than if you were dying in the 25th year. And so that's where that all gets built in because, Jay, as you mentioned, they figure out what that total cost is, and then they make it a fixed payment every year. Now, that makes total sense. And so one of the things that's interesting, if you look at, and I don't know if it's interesting, maybe that's just Maybe for us. We're yeah. nerds. <laughs> right. Uh, the mortality graph actually mm-hmm. is fairly stable until you get to the early 60s. Mm-hmm. And for males, it starts to rise. And as you get closer and closer to average, it starts to really go vertical. So, so how we normally think about things is, is if you were to take 65 and subtract from that the term that you're thinking about, that would be your age. So let me, let me mm-hmm. give you an example. So if I'm 30 mm-hmm. and I... And, and I really want to have the most protection, it's going to be a lot less expensive for me right now to get a 30-year term policy than if I, if I got a 20-year policy now and then 15 years later decided I needed another 20-year policy. It's right. going to be a lot more expensive because I'm that much closer to getting into that rising part of the curve. Also, so, also you're going through underwriting now at age 30 where you're likely more healthy. And 15 years from now, you know, you don't know what could happen. Something could pop up in your health history and, and makes you a little bit more of a risky insured, and, and that will change your premium drastically. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's out there, and people don't really think about this a whole lot, particularly when they're going through insurance, you know, we share a lot of information with our physicians, mm-hmm. and the physicians collect that data. And when you're going through underwriting, the insurance company generally will obtain what's called a ph- physician's attending statement attending physician statement. And in that is the notes from the doctor. So we've had clients where it's like, hey, you know, I was having this gastro problem. Uh, the doctor and the patient talked about it. The doctor suggested, hey, you need to go get a, you know, endoscopy or whatever, go see a gastroenterologist. The individual doesn't go do it. They go to underwriting and, and lo and behold, everything gets stopped because they've noted that, that there's an issue. They've noted that the doctor said you need to go get some follow-up. You haven't done it, and the insurance company wants to know really what's going on. So so the younger you are, generally the less issues you have, generally the less medical history you have, mm-hmm. and the easier it is to get through underwriting. So we, we advise the longer the term, the better, particularly because pricing is lower. So I think that's a good, a good conversation around the term, uh, Dave. What about the amount? You know, a lot of people really get kind of bogged down in how much do I need, and and before you answer that question, I just want to reiterate again, uh, and as I've gotten older, I've, I've unfortunately more, I, I've been around more death, and, mm-hmm. and I've seen the impact of delivering checks to people. 
when when they've gotten significant money when they've had a loved one that has passed away and and it it never replaces the the human loss but the economic benefit can really have a major impact on people's well-being and the incremental cost mm-hmm. from a half a million to a million or from 250 to 500 or from 1 million to 250 when when it comes to term insurance Dave, I mean, it's, it's really nominal, isn't it? Hundreds of dollars a year, maybe. Maybe. It depends. It depends on the fact pattern and the underwriting class. But, you know, one, one thing I think that our listeners are probably thinking about it is this is all great. I get it. You need life insurance. But I get it through my work. I get, I get insurance through my work. I'm not sure how much I have through my work, but I get life insurance through my work. And I think what's interesting and, and something that's important for you to know is how is that money being, how is that insurance policy getting paid? Is it getting paid by the employer? Are you paying for it? Is it coming out of your paycheck pre-tax? Are you paying with it for post-tax? Because that makes a big difference, doesn't it, Jay? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even think about that, but uh, now that you bring it up, I mean, you know, under under a normal term insurance policy, not, not, not something provided by your employer. Mm-hmm. The death benefit is income tax-free. So you're saying if I have a death benefit of my policy under my life, it's for a million dollars, and I pass away. And you paid for that with your dollars. I pay with it with my after-tax after dollars. dollars that I just have in my bank account. My beneficiary will get a million dollars tax-free. Tax-free. Interesting. Big, huge. You know, one of the things that we try to think about when we're trying to help clients identify how much money they need, there are a couple things that we like to just get out on the table. The first thing is, and, and it's not a requirement, but it helps us to assess how much. And and by the way, one thing we want to mention is we don't want people to over-insure. No. I mean, it, this is not something that you need to get. You don't want to be insurance poor, but you need to have the right amount. So, so. You know, I started to throw out there, there are a couple things that we look at. Dave, what are what are the things that we would want to make sure were paid off and or funded upon the death of an individual? There's three things that we really want to have funded um, and want you to think about when covering costs in the event of a premature death. And the first is your mortgage. You know, that's one of the biggest assets uh, a family owns outside of their 401k. Um Getting enough coverage to cover the remaining part of your mortgage so you do not have a mortgage payment anymore is crucial. So that would be the first thing. Right. So so just by way of example, I mean, if the principal and interest payment on your mortgage was $3,000 a month, let's mm-hmm. say, and you had at least enough death benefit to pay that off, then your surviving spouse is going to at least have $3,000 with which to sustain the family standard of living even though your income is gone, right? So that that's just basic. That, that's, that's basic, basic price of admission. You pull up it? your last mortgage statement and you owe $500,000 on your house. That's a good starting place. Okay. So you've earmarked $500,000. Okay. The next? next thing is any other outstanding debts that you have. You know, if you're one that really leverages up the debt, maybe you have $10,000, $15,000 worth of debt somewhere, maybe credit card debt or whatever. Student loan student debt. Student loan debt. You want to you want to get that off the board. Student loan debt's an even much better example than the credit cards I mentioned. So that's another uh, earmark that you want to add to the death benefit uh, when you're trying to figure it out. And, and then the third one is if you have children, um, you know, any care or education costs, that includes college that you want to cover for. 
you need to calculate what that number is and then add that to your outstanding debt and your outstanding mortgage balance. And that's a good starting place that you want to have covered. So, so Dave, if we're thinking about just current dollars, and we'll leave inflation out for now because yes, we've got please. a limited amount of time, but, mm-hmm. but let's just suppose that the average cost of in-state, we'll use in-state tuition, um, you know, Hope Scholarship in Georgia. Say it's going to cost a, a family with expenses and so forth fifteen grand a year. Mm-hmm. And we're going to expect they're going to go to school for four years. That's sixty grand. You've got pretty decent inflation. If you've got young kids, you probably could double that. I mean, if you've got 10 years before kids are going to be in college, you could take that number and double it, mm-hmm. more or less, as conservative. So so 60 times 2 is 120. So 120,000 per kid. You've got two kids. Let's round it up, say, 250 grand. So if I've got a $500,000 mortgage and I have $100,000 of student loans mm-hmm. and I've got two kids – Right there, I'm at nine hundred, no, eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars of debt benefit. Right. Yep. So it puts you right about the million range. About the million range, and then I'm gonna, ha- I want to have a little bit of extra money sitting around that I can at least cover any additional expenses. You know, if if I'm a, a sole provider, that, that's now, exactly right. And I now have to go get a job. I may need some care help, caregiver help to help me get the kids to and from uh, their their activities tutors, whatever it is, well, help that I need. What would happen if that person is a stay-at-home husband or whatever, and the wife is out making all the money, her, her policy might look a little bit different than his policy because he's working in the house. She's the breadwinner of the family. You need to account for that, that missing income that, that you're going to uh, be subject to if the, the breadwinner passes away. So, so let's just use some simple math for a moment. Let's just suppose that your net after tax income from your other the, the, the spouse that was going to pass away, let's say their net after tax contribution was $5,000 per month, mm-hmm. and that's gone. Mm-hmm. And so that's $60,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And let's suppose that you needed at least that for 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's $600,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to earn some money on that along the way, so we could discount that a little bit. That six hundred you could probably discount by fifty percent, so that's three hundred. Mm-hmm. So in our example, we had five hundred to pay off the mortgage, hundred thousand to pay off the student loans. That's six hundred. Mm-hmm. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to fund future uh, educational expenses. Mm-hmm. Now we're at eight fifty. Another three hundred thousand for out of pocket expenses over, let's say, this period of time before the kids are out of the house. Mm-hmm. You add all that up. That's about, if my math's correct, one million one hundred and fifty grand. So in that case, David, how much do you think we would advise a client to buy for insurance? What what would the range look like there? Do you figure uh, the range I, I would recommend would either be between one million and one point five million. That's exactly. And what let I was them thinking. decide. Yeah. And let them decide how much they want to have coverage. Is it more important to have the amount of death benefit or a longer term? Say I've got a fixed budget. Well, that depends, doesn't it? It depends on the fact pattern. Some clients want to want to insure until they get to the retirement age, so they'll they'll get a pick a term that'll get them to age roughly sixty five. Some folks are like, "Hey, I would like to have more death benefit and a shorter term because I think in my later years I'll have more assets to cover it." So that's step two of the the the, the, the conversation. And and what Jay and I are doing back and forth is the conversations we have with clients about life insurance. We we're not pushy sales guys by any means. We're going to let you come up with what you think is the right amount of death benefit and how amount of insurance you should have. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I think the key thing is is to de- to demystify life insurance in general. Mm-hmm. Focus on the biggest bang for the buck, the biggest value to cover the risk at hand, and that is indeed term life insurance. And in the future, we'll put together another one of these, Dave. Where we'll talk about permanent insurance and how it can be a really uh, exciting and leverageable way in which to be tax efficient from a savings perspective. Mm-hmm. But for now, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about life insurance, you don't know if you have enough life insurance, do yourselves a favor. Find an advisor. You're welcome to call us. that can help you identify how much you need, what's the best way to structure it so you get the best bang for the buck. And we would be more than happy to help you. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening. Uh, Again, tell all your family and friends about Stacks of Cash. We'll be with you again next time. Thanks a bunch.